Hi, this is Jason Cascarino. Welcome to the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, a production of the Remaking Middle School Initiative. You can learn about Remaking Middle School on the web at remakingmiddleschool.org. Now, here's this episode. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, where we explore the many facets that impact young adolescents in the middle school years, from the adverse to the awkward to the awesome. I'm your host, Jason Cascarino. Today, we have part one of my conversation with three professionals from Education Opens Doors, a Dallas-based nonprofit that works with middle schools, providing curriculum, professional learning, and resources to help young adolescents be more informed about opportunities and choices for their future in high school, in college, and in careers. Kristen Pereira is Senior Curriculum Specialist, Kelsey Martin is Manager of Creative Projects, and Nia Cottenham is Implementation Manager. Together, they share with us how early adolescence is an ideal time to help young people explore their interests and learn practical skills and approaches to decision-making for turning those interests into their future learning, livelihood, and life. Making that strong connection between what's learned in the classroom and the real world is super important for harnessing that student engagement. It's just something we found time and time again, feedback from students and in feedback from teachers. You know, these students, they, they want to know that what they're investing their time in matters and is going to benefit them in the long run. This generation can really sniff out busy work with record speed and we don't want them to feel that way. And I would really argue that it's more important to create a safe space to ask questions than to give a concise answer. And that's something I really believe that our programs do well. We challenge students to ask questions, to get curious and discover what they're interested in and passionate about and and start from there as opposed to just constantly absorbing new information and never applying it. Here in part one of our conversation, Kristen, Kelsey, Nia, and I talk about the origins of Education Opens Doors, the program model focused on helping students develop practical success skills, as well as find and unlock their interests and motivations as they think about and map out their futures, how the curriculum fits this particular generation of young adolescents in this particular social context, and the types of social and community impact they are particularly drawn to. Then in part two of our conversation, we will drill deeper into the aspects of the program and how it is implemented. We talk about the ways Education Opens Doors leverages technology to challenge students in fun and engaging ways, the ways the programming prepares students for their next steps in high school and their opportunities for exploration and building self-awareness and social capital, the program's impact, especially in student engagement and learning, the ways the organization provides professional development and support and resources for teachers to implement the program, and the resources and supports for parents and families. We also reflect on how Education Opens Doors works to meet the unique circumstances and demands of this moment in time, and what the organization is planning for its future growth and impact. Part two will be released next week. Now, here's part one of my conversation with Kristen Pereira, Kelsey Martin, and Nia Cottenham. Kristen, Kelsey, and Nia, delighted to have you all here on the podcast. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Thanks for having us. Well, I can't tell you how many times on this podcast about young adolescents that people all across our space from different, come at it from different angles, have used the term open. Uh, It may be, if you did like a word cloud of all of our conversations, that word might be rather 
big. You know, people talk about this developmental period being a time of openness, of opening up, opening opportunities, opening minds to new ideas, new experiences. So I'm eager to hear your take on opening doors for for middle schoolers. Before we do that, let's get a bit about your background, uh, if we can. Kristen, I'll, I'll start with you. You are Senior Curriculum Specialist for Education Opens Doors, um, coming off of a number of years as a classroom teacher. I saw that you majored in history at UT Austin for your undergrad. I was a history major as well, but it looks like you leapt straight into the classroom. Tell us about why education has been a, a good spot for you. Yeah, well, I was lucky enough to be a part of a really incredible education program at UT Austin, and I got to spend a lot of time in elementary classes, middle school classrooms, and high school classrooms, and it really gave me passion for working with kids. I had been interested in education before, but that really sort of lit that fire, and I loved history. I loved getting to stand up in front of kids and talk about all of the things. And um, I'm so enthusiastic about that stuff. And I just wanted kids to love it one-tenth as much as I loved it. And so I started in the classroom right after graduating. um, And I taught for about 14 years, mostly in the high school space. Um, And I taught a myriad of classes. I taught everything from humanities and AP classes to sheltered courses, really did a little bit of everything. Kelsey, you are manager of creative projects at Education Opens Doors, and I can see the creativity in your background, particularly in the delivery of educational content and experience with technology. Uh, Tell me a bit about your draw to the education space and, and the role you see yourself playing in it. Absolutely. You know, I love creativity, efficiency, and systems, and you'll see that in a lot of my background. I, like Kristen, started out in the classroom. I taught high school in Orlando, Florida at a Title I school. I did that straight out of college, and so some of my students were 18 and I was 22, and so that was a real trial by fire experience. I absolutely loved them, and after several years in the classroom, I made the hop over to the tech space. Like you mentioned, working for a startup, building an app. Um, It was based in Beijing, China, and we were working in early childhood education in that space. So I've kind of been all over the map from all the way from the babies all the way up into kind of AP college level. And so I just I just love it. And then after my time building the app, I went to higher education, working with various subject matter experts at universities. And now we're here. So we've always been building and dreaming about amazing ways to implement digital solutions for students, no matter the space. Nia, you are implementation manager with the organization. You were a TFA and did your core experience in Dallas, it looks like, and then carried on with teaching beyond your two-year commitment with Teach for America, teaching elementary and middle school, also in Dallas. Tell me how that early experience set you up, both for the classroom and for what you're doing now. I would even say just originally, I was really repelled by education. Um, Growing up with a mom who was went from a TA to a teacher to an assistant principal to a principal. It's just the work I saw her do, I wasn't attracted to. Um, And I also thought teachers didn't make a lot of money. (laughs) But my senior year of college, we actually had a a TFA recruiter come and speak to one of my psychology classes. And when I heard about the work that they were doing and the mission and just everything that TFA had to offer not only, you know, college graduates, but also the opportunity to really impact lives. I really felt aligned with that. 
Um, a little background about me, my name actually means purpose. And so for most of my life, I've tried to figure out, you know, what is it that I'm supposed to, like, who is it that I'm supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? But I think it's just a call to service. And everything I've done from working at a Sam's Club to now being with EOD as an implementation manager, it's all been led by service for me. And so I just really uh, transitioning out of the classroom and into EOD. It was really a divine connection. I knew I didn't want to leave the education space, but I didn't know what was there, you know, for me to do. And so when I heard about EOD and just the just the gaps that I saw myself um, as a teacher and then also the gaps that I experienced as a student and what EOD was doing, I knew I could get behind that. Let's talk about Education Opens Doors then. Uh, we'll get into the specifics of what you all do in the moment, like the programming and the content. But first, maybe one of you can just give our audience a primer on how and why the organization got started, where you all work, the types of schools you work with, students you serve, so forth. We, we work in the middle school space, and our goal is to inform students about the options that they have in high school and in post-secondary education so that they can make the best decision for them. We want to respect the different choices that kids make. Um, We don't want to make them feel that a four-year university is the only option, although it could be a great option for them. And I know personally, I felt really drawn to Education Opens Doors because I taught mostly juniors and seniors. And I realized how little students knew about what came next. And they would make a decision about, or think that they were making a decision about what to do next. And we would realize that there was a gap that was going to keep them from doing that. Maybe they didn't take a third year of foreign language, or maybe they needed to start JROTC two years earlier to apply to that scholarship. Or maybe if they had decided to be in the cosmetology program in their freshman year, they could have a license by their senior year, but here we were as juniors and we had missed that window. And so when I was introduced to Education Opens Doors and they were saying that we're going to try in seventh and eighth grade to help kids make decisions so that we avoid these exact instances, I was like, that is my heart. (laughs) It is, there is nothing like talking to a kid and saying, I am so sorry (laughs) that we didn't get to you last year, right? Like you are brilliant and driven and wonderful and the timing is just not going to work for this path right now. And that's not to say that they won't find another path, but how wonderful if we can bridge that gap earlier on. And so we work primarily in Title I low SES students. We're working with students who are typically underserved. Some of our research says that students get something like 26 minutes with their high school counselor within their high school experience. And that's just not enough to really make a informed decision. And so our hope is that we can give them that information well in advance. And that's really what we're trying to do. And let's talk about how you get about that and and do that. Uh, Let's talk about the content and the programming. You know, one of the things that I was initially struck by when I started learning about what you all offer is this combination of real world practical skills and concepts, very future oriented, as you were talking about, with what you refer to in some of your material as the broader why, you know, so having kids sort of go through, as we know, in early adolescence, this process of self-discovery, sort of understanding who they are, what they want to do, what what their place is in the world. 
take us through some of the core tenets of the of the program offering. We really believe in teaching practical tools, social tools like conflict management, having a growth mindset. Um, and this is because that equips students to tackle anything both in and outside of the classroom. Making that strong connection between what's learned in the classroom and the real world is super important for harnessing that student engagement. It's just something we found time and time again, feedback from students and in feedback from teachers. You know, these students, they, they want to know that what they're investing their time in matters and is going to benefit them in the long run. This generation can really sniff out busy work with record speed and we don't want them to feel that way. And I would really argue that it's more important to create a safe space to ask questions than to give a concise answer. And that's something I really believe that our programs do well. We challenge students to ask questions, to get curious and discover what they're interested in and passionate about and and start from there as opposed to just constantly absorbing new information and never applying it. And Nia, from your experience, I I bet you the process also includes things that you are not interested in. What is your sense in working with with young people like this this process that they go through how the the curriculum and the content uh, aligns with that with that developmental process? Yeah, I think at this age specifically in middle school, um engagement is just like a big deal. Um and I just believe that the two biggest components of student engagement are cognitive and agentic. And often, like, students need to have content and curriculum that can better build their understanding and shape their experience as they navigate through life, but also give them the opportunity to use their voice and have choices. And so up until middle school, students have been told what to do and how to do it. And now at the age of adolescence, like you've talked about, they're trying to identify and explore who they are, and they need their learning to empower them. And so all the components that Kelsey talked about, It just allows them to really show up in a space to where they can investigate who they are, but then also take what is expected of them and the option that they have and really put it to you. So and so there's just a big gap there that I feel like education opens doors and our curriculum and program really feels for students, teachers and their families. And our greatest challenge, especially with our primary partner, Dallas ISD, is how do we get this huge amount of critical information that we really can't shrink down to students in a way that is engaging um, so they're not in their desks all day. And Kristen comes in in this space and creates engaging activities, again, for them to move around, to figure out what community resources might be valuable to them, again, making that connection between the classroom and the real world. One of our big messages for the kids is that life isn't static and we're going to keep changing. And how often in the real world, people change careers and that's okay. But the skills that we've been talking about, things like being creative, being a problem solver, working on a team, those kinds of things are forever, right? And so we want to really encourage those soft skills. And I think that kind of aligns with what Kelsey was just saying about these opportunities to do. You know, we have a lot of opportunities for students to work in groups, to get up and engage in polite discussion and to engage in debate effectively. We have a lot of artifact creation where they're going to walk away with a cover letter that they've worked with friends to edit, kind of working through those things where it's both a practical skill, but also In theory, they'll look back and they'll say, we learned, you know, about how to set up a group where everybody can be successful and how to provide feedback and to provide praise and, you know, those kinds of things we want to make sure that while students are doing, right, while they're getting up and moving around and playing games and that kind of stuff, that they're also very clearly seeing the skills that we're trying to give them 
through those games. Like the games and the activities aren't just for fun, although we hope that they are. There's also lots of things that they're taking away from those things. So give me an example of one of these activities. I think it would be great for our listeners to hear, get get sort of a visceral sort of understanding of what, what it's like. One of the big things that we really tried to do is give students choice. And so a lot of our activities offer a creative opportunity, an analytical opportunity, and a practical opportunity for you to show your learning. And that gives teachers lots of opportunities to provide differentiation. Uh, And then we have games, like we have a game where um, students are calculating GPA and it's kind of like life, right? So you pull out a card and you say, ah, didn't turn in your psychology project. Looks like that 81 dropped to a 77. What's that going to do to your overall GPA? And they get to spend the time to figure out, you know, what to see, what what happens if you if you make that C when you're a senior? What happens when you make it as a freshman, right? Those have different impacts because you've taken different levels of courses. There's been a lot written, particularly recently, about Gen Z, what, they, what they're interested in, what they're you know, thinking about in terms of the future, the future of the world, the future for themselves, and so forth. I'm curious to know how and if, I guess, you think about this particular generation that you're working with, uh, young people uh, in their early adolescence, given their, their generational interest and nature and kind of where they sit within, uh, within the world. Has, is any of those kinds of things built into the way you do, you do your work? A lot of our curriculum is built upon soft skills. So if you know who you are and the strength that you possess, Maybe with those strengths and that knowledge of who you are, there may be a job that's not even available right now that you can tap into. We don't only talk about specific careers, but we allow them to look at job trends, look up different industries, think about what what skills they possess, and then what's out there for them. Um, One particular activity that I I remember and I I thought it went so well is the job trends uh, lesson to where they were learning about, you know, how do different things that go on in our society Um, How do they affect jobs? I mean, if you go to a Walmart, there's a lot of self-checkout. So now that's a job loss. And so just thinking about having them think about where do you live? um, Where is society right now? um, What are the big trends that we see going on? And even relaying that to social media. What are some trends on TikTok? What are good trends? What are bad trends? And how can you take that and think about your future to decide, you know, what pathway you want to take? It may not always be college. Sometimes it's a career. And so the kids love that, you know, it kind of opened their eyes up to like, okay, so I need to know about trends and like what's going to work long term and what doesn't. And when I was in seventh and eighth grade, I didn't even know what a job trend was. So I think that was pretty awesome that outside of just like implementation strategies, like turning talks and scenarios, there are actual just topics that they can research on and learn more about to build that understanding to make those informed decisions about their future long term. Uh, so I had the privilege of uh, being the leader of a nonprofit the, called the Spark Program, which was a mentoring program for middle school kids. And we connected them with professionals uh, so that they could explore careers and ideas for the future. So, so some similar notes, but in the out of school time uh, space. And what I was always struck by is the number of young people who were thinking about their their futures and wanting to do something in their community and to solve problems that are real world problems, whether it's in their community or in the world, very sort of socially driven to better society, as opposed to like, I want a career to make money or to accomplish something else you know, professionally. Are you finding that among this, among this generation? 
Every single lesson has a community-facing lesson at the end, whether that means identifying a problem in your community and thinking critically about ways that you can positively involve yourself in helping that problem, finding a mentor, finding a community if you feel like maybe you don't have one. We know that loneliness is a huge problem right now. And so trying to find ways to plug yourself in. Um, We're really trying to reach students on that level of finding ways to identify problems that they are passionate about, because that's going to look different for every student. And then using those fun, soft skills, and then even some technical skills that we've gone over in class to try to figure out how they can best respond to those issues. I do think that is something that this generation cares about a lot, which is one of my favorite things about them. Uh, And we would be silly to not try to capitalize on this passion that they have. That was Kristen Pereira, Kelsey Martin, and Nia Cottenham from Education Opens Doors, which you can learn more about online at educationopensdoors.org, or on Facebook and Instagram at Education Opens Doors, or on Twitter at opening underscore the door. Remember to look out for part two of my conversation with Kristen, Kelsey, and Nia next week on the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, where we feature conversations with researchers, practitioners, program developers, and advocates for young adolescents in the middle school years. Recently, I interviewed Colleen Cicchetti and Karen Curry from the Center for Childhood Resilience at Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago. Colleen is the founder and long-term executive director of the nearly 20-year-old center, focused on providing access to high-quality mental health services for children and adolescents. Karen is a licensed clinical social worker and mental health consultant for CCR. CCR provides training, consultation, and expertise for schools and school systems, as well as out-of-school community and youth-serving organizations to build the capacity of adult educators and caregivers around trauma-informed and healing-centered systems and practices, a capacity that ultimately underpins effective teaching and learning and positive youth development. I think we are still in the process of learning, of learning how to do it. And I think part of our challenge actually has to do with the, the, the lens that we take about education and the growing understanding and the growing research that in order for kids to be in a um, ready position to learn, their whole self needs to be tended to. Right, And so a lot of the work that we try to, to do, a lot of the support that we try to provide, we call it heart and mind work, right? So we're trying to, to shift attitudes to, to some degree. We're trying to expand the understanding of lots of different aspects of kids' lives that are a part of, or that we believe in the research backs, should be a part of their educational process. You can listen to both parts of my conversation with Colleen and Karen wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for joining the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, a production of Remaking Middle School, an initiative that seeks to transform the learning and development experience for young adolescents in the middle school years. Remaking Middle School brings together good educational practice in school and out of school with the latest developmental science. You can learn about Remaking Middle School or find more resources about the topics of this podcast on the web at remakingmiddleschool.org. Or learn more about the founding partner organizations, the University of Virginia's Youth Next Center, on the web at education.virginia.edu slash youth-nex, or on Twitter at youth underscore next, and the Association for Middle-Level Education, on the web at amle.org, or on Twitter at amle.org.
The Lessons in Adolescence podcast is produced by Abby Gillespie and me, Jason Cascarino. Editing by Paige Waterhouse. You can listen to or download each episode at the Remaking Middle School website, on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.